There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. episode of barbecue and tech my brother and i are going to jump into talking about cutting boards charcuterie boards chopping blocks why we build stuff the way we build them and uh, i guess just a little background on the benefits and the disadvantages of uh, some materials what's up gentlemen or sir i said gentlemen wrong show <laughs> <laughs> now what's up man so yeah man we've been talking about doing uh, a nice cutting board uh, episode for a while. And I think with the co- the coming conclusion of the first barbecue and tech butcher block, it was time to have that actual conversation because I've been, I started that uh, cutting board a long time ago and then I kind of held off on it and, um, then I decided to get back into it the last couple of weeks. And man, I was actually really happy that I did because it came out really, really good. And it's been soaking in the oil for the last couple of days and draining. Oh, well, soaking in oil this week and then draining. And then it's now it's uh, time for the, I guess, the final step. Go ahead and butter it on up and then show it off to the world. So, yeah, um, it's looking really good. So, uh, um, yeah, I can't. I haven't seen it since it's soap, so, so I, yeah, I'll probably swing by there and grab it today to uh, put the oil, the butter on it. Um, but yeah, so you got into making cutting boards. What about four years ago? Uh, <laughs> well, my first one I made was probably over twenty years ago. Oh, okay. Then, and then I, I went on a hiatus for <laughs> about sixteen years. <laughs> so actually, no, that's not fair. Um. So I would probably say maybe within the last 10 years is I, I made one for myself 20 years ago and then I never did one again. And then like my mother-in-law, my parents wanted one. So I did one for them and it was kind of like these ad hoc things. And then it just kind of snowballed into, you know, you could sell these things. Cause I would, I would just randomly make somebody a cutting board just cause it was, I, I just enjoy the, uh, the art of woodworking and work with my hands. And I like coming up with different designs and patterns and stuff like that, that people can appreciate. So I think that's probably what kicked me off on doing it. And then, uh, from there it was like, all right, well, you know, you could probably sell these things. And 
So that's when I went down the road of, all right, maybe this is something that is, I'll say monetizable, um, that people can appreciate. So, right. yeah, that brings me where I'm at now. Yep. And then uh, a couple of years ago, I made my first ones, but I made them as gifts for my uh, sisters in law. Oh, that's right. I forgot about those. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you, you used Red Heart at one of them, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Very expensive. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's not a cheap wood. And uh, I think that's, that's probably the difference. I think you start to see from where you, you go into, um, your local grocery store and they have like a couple cutting boards in there that you buy or what typically we all do is we buy. And I, I know we're going to get into styles of cutting boards and uh, things mm-hmm. like that in a moment, but I think everybody has a cutting board in their house and typically it is, Hey, I got this for like $30 or $18 either at the grocery store. Or I was at bed, bath and beyond. And I just grabbed one cause I knew we needed one and at the housewarming and that's where people start. And then the, the real question is, for some, at least I really do feel for some people it's utilitarian and for some people it is both utilitarian and decoration. Mm-hmm. And you got to figure out where you fall on the spectrum. For me, I, I find them to be uh, dual hatted as both utilitarian and decoration. And that's why I like different styles. I like something with a little oomph to it, like size heft to it. And I may, um, when it comes to, um, the style cutting boards are like, I'm, I'm 100%. Anything I build for myself is end grain. Uh, mm-hmm. so, and it's just the, the ease it has on your knives is just, and if you sharpen knives frequently, you realize it's expensive. It's not expensive to sharpen knives, but you don't want to constantly be dulling out your knives just when you're having to do the basic stuff all the time of cutting and chopping stuff. So. And the thing is, and while we advocate for a having good knives and B, uh, maintaining them is you know it when you buy a nice piece of meat and then you go to cut it and you can't actually cut it properly or you are you know you're, you're trying either you're trying to trim the meat and you're wasting all this time trying to trim the meat because uh, your knife's not going through it properly or when it's time to serve and you're just wrecking the meat because the knife is not slicing through it like you want it to you know those are it's to me it's like becomes a waste of time you know yep. and 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 you know and i like when i'm done with a turkey a big turkey or a big brisket i like that presentation to look good and i hate having dull knives so i'm i'm i, I was happy to start getting my knives maintained and i want to get to the point where i just have two of every knife so that i can maintain one sharp and then you know have a set that's active that's how you kind of do it in the restaurant industry yep. um you know, there's multi, there's sets and then they, the sharpener would come and pick up, you know, one set and then while you maintain the other one in the, in the restaurant. And, uh, yeah, those things were super sharp and uh, I loved working with them. So it, it makes life easier, uh, in the end, uh, to, to maintain good knives. Yeah. So, um, let me start with, I'm not a cutting board snob when it comes to this, even though I'm an end grain person for myself. I have every, I shouldn't say every fashion, but I have most fashions of cutting boards. So I have mm-hmm. uh, the typical cutting board that probably everybody has underneath their cabinet. I'll try to make sure we link to it in the show. It, it's probably their rectangle or uh, um, a, a square. It has a small little juice groove cut into it. It's made out of wood. It looks like someone just took some uh, one buys, glued them together, 
rather the edge made it soft, easy to touch, and you you slide it under your sink. You don't think about it until you need it. You pull it out and you use it. Right. So I do have those. Um, and then a plastic cutting board. I think it's a it's a kitchen staple. Everybody has realized that after they've had their wooden cutting boards, um, the ones they've had, it kind of sucks washing it all the time. You can't put it in the dishwasher. Or you're not supposed to, at thing. least. Yeah, the cutting the uh, the plastic cutting boards are nice because a you can throw them in the dishwasher. B mm-hmm. after you wash them, they tend not to take on the smell. Specifically with onions, when you when you cut onions on something, sometimes the juice from an onion will leave. Uh, they don't. While they may stain a little bit, it tends to over washings will go away. So that everybody has a plastic cutting board. I do as well, and then. I look at any of the cutting boards I have. Again, they're multifunction, they're decoration, everything like that. But I do, I do have a number in my house and I do have, I do go to certain ones for various occasions. Yeah. And I think it, that's the, in the end, what I, I suggest folks do is just have multiple cutting boards, um, for multi-purpose. So I, I myself have the wooden, the, the thin store-bought wooden cutting board, which is, you know, one that I tend to use more for presentation style or, at, you know, cooked food uh, cuts, not prep food. And then I have my polypropylene plastic cutting board um, that I use for prep work. Uh, and then I have, I even have some like thin, uh, like they're almost like thin as paper but they're plastic cutting boards when i just need to do something quick i don't need to break out the massive cutting board it's like a i think it came in a set of five multicolored and they're just plastic you know thin uh cutting boards oh, yeah yeah they almost look like um they almost look like placemats placemats yeah that's yeah and so if i just need to do something quick like um you know just throw something in the walk and I'm like all right i don't want to drag out the big boys um, but the one thing that has always annoyed me is that I just, anytime I cooked a brisket or something big, like the, the, uh, bone and rib roast, I never really had that solid presentation cutting board that that's going to last forever. I can pass down and all of that stuff. Like all of my other cutting boards, I could put in the trash today and not think twice about it, you know? Yep. And so I finally... Um, once we had developed what we wanted to dub the barbecue and tech cutting board, I was like immediately, I was like, I loved the design of it. Um, and I was like, I got to make a butcher block version. I want to put a brisket on this bad boy and, uh, and cut it without you know, it, having to, you know, marry up and like, ah, oh, don't fall off the edge, you know? And so I just, I went ahead and designed a bigger version of that cutting board and I went to work on it. So we figured, uh, you know, let's talk, let's talk a little bit deeper. So I, I guess for all intents and purposes, we've laid out the basic cutting boards. Um, you have your polypropylene, which is the typical plastic one. You have your wood, uh, cutting boards. Um, and there's two types of wood. There's face grain and end grain. And we'll get, we'll get into uh, much more uh, detail about those. And then, uh, we can't leave out the bamboo cutting boards because those exist, uh, are, um, pretty popular as well for a lot of people. Um, and they have their uh, pros to them as well. And then finally, uh, there's another cutting board we should mention, which is the composite cutting board. Um, and composite uh, cutting boards are wood. You can think of them much like you would think of like MDF, I guess, um, where, uh, you know, it's a bunch of wood that is pressed together and, um, and then turned into a cutting board. 
and they're, they're actually because they're heat pressed together uh they are uh you can because they're pressed together you can uh they're dishwasher safe but there are because they're so pressed together they're much harder on the knives and so you have to be careful um with that part of it because obviously it's going to dull your knives more uh so so those are pretty much the five so i don't own a bamboo cutting board but the the reality is that bamboo and one of the things that i don't know if a lot of people really uh think about when it comes to cutting boards because most of most of the conversations around washing them and putting them away and storage but i don't know if a lot of people really get into one of the things you need to watch out for which is the sanitation of these of cutting boards right um you're cutting food food you know these cutting boards can be porous and so you can get um bacteria trapped in these cutting boards and so you need to maintain them so the good thing about uh, bamboo cutting boards is that bamboo is actually naturally uh resistant to bacteria because of some of the um you know some some of its makeup and where where it grows it has to fight it off anyway so a lot of people like those bamboo cutting boards because they're actually pretty hard um you can wash them by hand and but they you know they are resistant to bacteria um maintaining a bamboo cutting board is much like similar to a wood cutting board where you know you hand wash them clean them and then periodically you want to maintain them with like a board oil or something like that um so if you have one you know be not a bad thing um no no issue there uh next and i think wood, wood cutting boards in general i think a lot of people are always generally concerned with wood is that they're not good with back like if you're raw chicken on them and at least some of the reading i've done on them studies have said that no, you, you actually can, and even though they actually kill the bacteria within minutes of, uh, you know, once you rinse off the cutting board, it actually fights and kills the bacteria. So that's it's actually not a big concern with wood in general. However, even though I've read it, I'm still of like, hey, it's raw chicken, it's going on the plastic one, <laughs> you know. And it's just that it's sometimes I, even I who build them, I've read about them, I still will error to say raw foods i may not put on my nice wooden cutting boards because i know that my kids might be right behind me um making a putting a sandwich on it and making a sandwich on it because are you talking specifically about bamboo cutting boards or just wood in general wood wood in general okay yeah now i will say as it relates to um like the reason why i like a very nice like your chopping block you're you're making and let's be clear the only difference between the cutting board and a chopping block it's just sheer girth and size yeah um so this is the other piece is that wooden cutting boards they tend to get they really they can be really heavy right as you start to really get into something that's nicer which is not necessarily a bad thing um because when you're depending on what you're doing you don't want your cutting board sliding around and moving on you right and uh, oftentimes when I'm, you know, I'm pretty good with a knife. Um, I can chop pretty fast when I'm, when I'm feeling it. And, uh, sometimes I can find that, uh, when I'm chopping, you know, my board starts to slide. Now, you know, the best, what I've learned is to take like a wet paper towel and, uh, or a damp paper towel and put it under the board and it becomes a, a skid resistant type of thing for the cutting board. 
um, unless the cutting board has feet. But, you know, if you have more weight to the cutting board, that will also help prevent it from sliding out on you. Yeah. So I, I look at my cutting board as it's part decoration. Like my cutting board, I at least I always have a cutting board that is always sitting on the counter Mm -hmm. and my cutting boards are used on an absolute daily basis. Mm. So I think the next problem you tend to run into is maintenance. So with, with wood cutting boards, there's absolutely undoubtedly way more uptake. Yeah. Uh, once you go into that species, then you would have with a, uh, a bamboo a, or a plastic cutting board. Yeah. So before we go into the wood, you know, a plastic pro- polypropylene cutting board, um, you do have the ups and downs uh, of that. It's it, it's not so rough on the knives, which is a positive. You can stick it in the dishwasher, also a positive. But those scratches in the plastic, um, they get pretty deep from the knife. And oh, those yeah, those become the haven for the bacteria I was talking about earlier. So I know when a, when I worked in the restaurant industry, what we would do is periodically we would uh, fill up a sink with water, and and we had uh, a, a food surface, food contact surface sanitizer. And you can actually get these on Amazon. You can get like these little tablets, and uh, oh, we yeah. would just take all our cutting boards and soak it overnight in the, in the sanitizer. Uh, drain it out, rinse it off, rewash them, and then you know we'd be pretty confident that we're not trapping any bacteria anymore. And it's it's actually not a bad idea, you know, to do that at home. Um, just make sure you get one that's kind of you know <laughs> that's rated. You know, you don't want to get like a professional strength one, and you're only doing one cutting board in the sink. It does it's kind of a waste. But um, you know, or uh, another thing is to take like a little bit of bleach. And let it soak on top of there for a little while, and then clean it. And let's be very clear. Yeah, this is plastic, not 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 wood. Yeah, but uh, with the wood ones, obviously, you know, you're gonna have your your daily maintenance, I guess, uh, or your more you know periodic maintenance. Then you're gonna have like your you know every couple months maintenance, and then you're probably gonna have to do like the real one. So it's an investment, but you know, again, this is something that lasts longer, and why we like why we like them in the first place. So I, I think what I found um, in making them for individuals or uh, that, that either are just were gifts of like close friends um, or when I made them and sold them uh, to people was someone would get one and they'd look at it and like, I can't cut on this. <laughs> I'm like, no, you like, must use like, it. Literally the reason why I built and gave this to you or why you bought it was because you wanted a nice cutting board. And then the problem is people get it. They're like, I don't want to mar the surface. I don't want to cut on it. It's like, that's again, it's by design. But so then what winds up happening to many people is that they turn into charcuterie boards, which is no big deal. I mean, right. Because it becomes a showpiece. As I said, mine sits on my counter. It's used constantly. And I, I will say I'm not, I'm not stupid. I'm not trying to take this for granted. I know that if my cutting board starts to, you know, the, the knife marks start to get a little deeper in it than I really want, I, I can easily take it, sand it, put it, you know, re-oil it, put it back in service, and it's just fine. Like, because any if I take it off the counter, I just put another one up that I have that'll be on the counter for until I finish servicing this one over the next week or two or whatever it might be, or a couple days or day, mm-hmm. and it's ready to go back in service. So I, I do have that. What I would, and this is, if you don't want to screw up your cutting board. Here's one, like if you're cutting on it with a, a regular knife, you're fine. 
where I've seen, and God bless my mother-in-law, but she did this. She, uh, she was using a serrated or a, uh, electric knife on, on top of wooden cutting board. So it's, it's essentially, why don't you use a saw? <laughs> <laughs> what you are doing is you're like, you're cutting into, so people are like, I thought it was supposed to be easy on the knives. It is, but it's easy on an, an, a knife not a saw. So right. serrated knives really like great for cutting breads and stuff like that. But for cutting meat, you should be using a properly sharpened knife. As soon as someone shows me they have to cut meat with a serrated knife. And I know people can say, what about steak? You, again, you're sitting on a plate. You want to cut a steak. They give you a serrated knife because a restaurant doesn't want to continuously sharpen knives. So they give you something that tears the meat versus cut, cutting it. You don't want to cut. You don't want to tear through your cutting board. You want to have nice, fine, very thin knife marks that go into the cutting board. And most of them I found are, I feel they're unnoticeable. I, I would say maintenance on my cutting boards. I think the first one I built, I probably didn't do a re-sanding on that for over 10 years, probably 12, 13 years mm. before I re-sanded it. Um, nice. I mean, I oiled it all the time and that's where I say the maintenance really comes in. And that's why... I will usually have that conversation. So actually, if I take a step back before I get into maintenance, there's two, if someone asks me, it says, Hey, could you, I want to quote commission you to build a cutting board and they have specs on it. The first question I ask is, do you want end grain or face grain, face or edge? It doesn't matter. Face, edge or end. Um, face and edge to me, uh, they're like, it's like saying potato, potato, but edge is fundamentally different. And usually people say, well, why? Like, what do you mean? What's the difference? Yeah. Okay. With face grain or edge grain, you, you'll see cutting boards where someone made like the American flag and it's, you can get these very clean, continuous lines. And essentially it's taking the wood on its length of the wood. And, and so it allows you to give this very look, very clean look. So I can do the American flag. I can do a big area that I'll say has a bluish hue to it that kind of gives you the idea of this box. And then I can somehow get stars in that and inside of it. But you can get that kind of look and feel that you want, but it, it's, it's very clean lines and patterns. Whereas I'd say with end grain, you tend to get it. It feels a bit, I don't want to say chaotic, but you're not always able to get very clean linear lines and and like that. You can definitely do patterns, but it's a little, it's definitely a lot harder and it requires more build time. So if someone said, I I don't care, just do it for X water, X amount of, or like, I just want to keep the cost down. I say, okay, you want ender face. Well, why is that? Because with an end grain or face grain, I normally being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Glue it up one. I, it's typical of one glue up and done. Like I cut the wood, I glue it up, and then pretty much from there, it's routing, sanding, and, and giving you a cutting board. So it's time from, from when I start with the wood to delivering it to you is significantly faster because I typically only have to do a single glue up. Again, you can do end grain or ed- face and edge grain cutting boards with multiple glue ups, but typically it's one with an end grain cutting board. So you have to think you're, you're if you if you're thinking about it like as a two by four, you're talking about the end of the two by four, the top, uh, not the length, not the sides, not the width. But you're talking about that little top end at the top. So if if you cut that, you're dealing with the fiber as if it's like a broom, like. It's very easy to deal with each individual straw on a broom, which is face and edge grain. But when you start talking about dealing with the, um, uh, the, the turning the broom on the handle and cutting off layers from the bottom of the broom. So it gets shorter and shorter and shorter until you cut all the, that's the part. And the nice thing is that your knife slides between those, yeah. those, uh, so those, let uh, me help folks try to kind of understand. I, I think because this was confusing for me at first. So just <laughs> take your phone. Take your phone and put it down on the table uh, where it's uh, the width of it. So essentially we can take, let's say we took like three of those phones and just put them side by side by side and glued them together, sanded it, cleaned it up and everything. That could be one version of the cutting board, which would be like the face. Now put your phone back down, look at it again. And let's say we cut that phone into strips. So from where your power button usually is on the side, all the way to the other side, the opposing side. We cut it in strips, turn them up, and then put it together and glued it glued it together that way. That would be the edge yep. grain. Yep. Now, which is good and but it's quick because you have those long strips that you glued together. Um and you you, you can pretty much maintain the size of it because it's already at the size because of the, how long the, you know, your phone is in the first place. But when we talk about end grain, now you're saying, let's go to the top of the phone and cut down from the top of the phone to the bottom of the phone where you charge the phone and turn those little pieces up. That is a much harder wood, much more work, but the results are this is where kind of where you start to see those butcher blocks made out of like in a butcher shop because they're very strong and, and, but the knives can go through those fibers very well. So that's kind of how I envision it and how I would tell you to kind of envision the differences between face and an edge grain cutting board. And, and to add to it, what typically when you're trying to do a pattern, let's say that, let's just say you want an alternating block size. So you want one inch by one inch cubes, of like a walnut, a maple, and a cherry. Let's just assume those. You would essentially cut a, uh, you'd have wood that is one inch thick for each three types. Then you would cut a strip of walnut, a strip of maple, a strip of cherry. And then you would take those three strips, glue them together. And you'd continue to do that pattern for as wide as you wanted the board to be. So if you wanted 12 inch wide, and you'd have to have 12 cubes or four of each to get 12 inches wide. Now, once you do that, you glue all that together and then to make it an end grain cutting board, like Chris said, you turn it up on the top, cutting from the top of the phone down, and then you re-glue that again together 
so that you have this alternating pattern because that gives you individual one by one cubes. So I cut it one inch. So I already have them there one by one. I'm cutting them now into cubes. So I say, how thick would you like the cutting board? You'd say an inch and a half. So I would cut inch and a half strips from the top of the board all the way down to the bottom. And now I can, once I glue them back together, I have a cutting board that is going to be one and a half inches thick of one by one cubes of walnut, maple, and cherry. That makes sense. But to add on, like the beautiful thing is that, again, you can kind of customize and again, you can do tons of patterns. I don't want to think, make you think that with, uh, that you can only get like these one by one cubes. The beauty is you get a hugely durable board. The problem is I have to go through two glue ups to build that. So the first glue up is to get, if you will, the start of that pattern done. And then the next glue up typically is where you're gluing the board into its final form. And you got to wait. So there's all this. You're getting the thickness time, out of that second time. glue up. Yeah. You're constantly, you're sanding. Each one of those have requires sanding or potentially planing uh, during the process. So it's, it is a lot more of an effort for the person who's building that board. But the end result is a gorgeous is board. That is really look, strong. If you go to Etsy and you look at cutting boards, you will see face grain or edge grain cutting boards. They're pretty, they're not expensive. They don't take a lot to build. It's a lot less work time. When you start getting an end grain, the price essentially goes from a hundred dollars or sub hundred dollars immediately up into two, three, four, five, six hundred. And again, you can, you can go to the stratosphere based upon, yeah, start adding exotic wood. So I typically exotics are like the purple heart. I mentioned Chris did a red heart. You could do a yellow heart. You could do, uh, and these, uh, these are natural woods that actually yeah. are purple in color, yeah, purple <laughs> red in color. Yellow. Yeah. So as you start adding those exotics, you can quickly drive the price. So I typically will leverage an exotic wood to be a complement in a board versus the dominant. So if someone said, Hey, I want something that looks like a, um, like a, a, a brick wall, like a, a brick, brick pattern, I'd say, okay, well, why don't we do purple heart as the mortar? And then we do like a maple as the bricks. And it's because the, the maple is a relatively inexpensive wood. So I'd rather have more of that and less of this really expensive wood that you would like in the board. You can still have your really expensive wood, but let's, let's cut, let's keep your cost under control. So just because you do not want a cutting board of all purple heart, for example, it's just way too expensive. So in trying to help customers with the cost, you know, you try to recommend as you move through materials. But again, the problem with every wood cutting board, it doesn't matter um, which ones you look at is that you have to be willing to periodically oil. And periodically, uh, um, just put a, a paste, uh, like a paste wax type on them. Yeah. So let's talk about the oil you like to use. So I'm a, so I like two. Um, one oil I like is, uh, is, uh, walrus oil. It's very nice. Uh, it's a fantastic company, fantastic product. It works really well. Um, but my go to is I just use mineral oil. Just get a food grade mineral oil. It, it's, and this is nothing against walrus oil. It's significantly cheaper. So if you were to, if you were to buy it, uh, and you could buy a relatively inexpensive, uh, food grade mineral oil on Amazon, I'll, I'll make sure I provide a link for that. And I tend to buy it by the gallon. Um, you're not talking a lot of money. So, and you can go through it over time. And again, you just, most, most oils that you wind up buying from somebody is, it starts with the mineral oil base. So if someone says, I can give you a board wax, it tends to be like a wonderful ratio of beeswax to food grade mineral oil. So you can make your own board wax as well, which I frequently will do. So I like mineral oil because it's 
super easy. Not a lot. You can't use like vegetable oil, stuff like that. That stuff will go rancid, but mineral oil, it, it won't, you don't have to worry about that screwing up your boards. So. so when you typically instruct people to maintain their boards, you, are you telling them to re-soak the board? No, or not at all. Okay. So what, what do they need to do with the oil? Yeah. So um, what I tend to do. And which would uh, carry over to pretty much any wood, wooden uh, cutting board, by the way. Yeah. So what I tend to do is um, when I first build a board for somebody and deliver it to them, I, I soak it um, for up to 36 hours. There's arguments where people like, you don't need to do that. I do it because I know that it will give the owner of the board more time before they have to actually start the maintenance. So I soak them for about 20, 30, up to 36 hours. The lowest I'll go is 24. They soak. Then I drain them. Um, in an out, like I tend to drain them in my garage so that it's getting all the oil that just was on it dripped off. And then I bring them into the house where it's for me, if it's doing in the winter, it's warmer in the house so that warmth in the house will actually pull uh, some of the additional oil that was, that it just needs to come out of the board because it's just warming up. So everything starts to expand and it lets a little bit more of the oil out. And then after 24 hours of that, it's ready to go to whomever. You might see a little beating, like the board looks like it's sweating. It's oil. You wipe it off and you keep going. You don't think about it anymore. But I. So that's how you do it. So let's say three months later, I take. Tell them food grade mineral oil or, or you, again, you can use walrus oil. It's, it's a fantastic product. So they take this. They take the. Okay, go ahead. What I say to do is just take it. And if you have it in a little bottle, just put some on it. Take your hand and just rub it around the board so the board looks wet. Walk away and leave it. After you, so let's say you just used the board, you washed it, and you're like, eh, it looks a little dry. I've, I've just dried off, it still looks a little dry. Dump some oil on it, rub it around with your hands, get it all over the top of the board, the sides, if you, whatever you need to do, and then walk away. Leave it there for about 30, 40 minutes. When you come back, take a napkin and wipe it off. That's it. That literally is it. So when people are like, eh, it's such maintenance, it's like, eh, it's actually not. Other than you had to wash your hand once with oil and you took a napkin and wiped your cutting board off. I just, and sometimes I'll even say, if you're getting ready to go up to bed and you just, you know, did the dishes and the board is dry, then just wipe it with oil, go up to bed. And when you come down in the morning, just wipe it off. And it, it, you gave more time for it to sit on the board. So which means some of the oil absorbed a bit more into the board, you wipe it off and you're ready to go again. It's that it's that simple. Waxing on the boards, I tend to do. I'd say do that every three months. So, um, again, I use a, a beeswax product, uh, which is totally fine to use. Um, but you can also go with Walrus Oil makes a, a, a board wax, which is another great product I like a lot. Again, we will provide some links to um, to these products. And the board wax is just a layer on top of the oiled board, yeah. so it's just. Yeah. Yep. You helps, just helps preserve just, a little you bit. Just buff it on like you're doing a like buffing a car. Let it sit for 10, 15 minutes and then just wipe it back off. So wax on <laughs> and then wipe it on off and you're ready to go. And again, I think the maintenance, a lot of people get concerned. Like my neighbor, I made her cutting board. She wanted, she bought one for her son. She came back and she says, oh, it just doesn't look the, as beautiful as it did when you gave it to me. I looked at it. I'm like, eh, it just needs oil uh, for me. And I knew that it was a secondary maintenance for her. I just went ahead. I quickly sanded it because I'm like, she's going to want it looking beautiful again. I quickly sanded it for her. I threw it in the oil bath for three days. I took it out, wiped it off, let it drain for a day, uh, let it drain inside for a day. And I handed it back to them and they were like, oh my God, it looks so amazing. She's like, what did you do? I was like, I owned it. <laughs> she's like, oh, really? I was like, yeah, I remember that stuff I told you about. Uh, and then from there on, I've never seen them again uh, with their board again. But it, like, again, it's, it is a, 
it is a really easy process to deal with. And so we've had quite a few people, thank you very much, support our show and buy some yeah. of our cutting boards. And, you know, uh, we've got the, the face grains. We have the end grain. We have the barbecue and tech board. If it ever gets to the point where somebody's handy enough and they feel like they want to go through and sand their board down and, you know, redo it, what, what's your process for that? Uh, grit, sandpaper grit, multiple grits. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a, st- again, you have to understand I'm my worst critic when it comes to these things. So I will start at a, if I, if I'm redoing, a, if I'm starting a board or redoing a board, I start at 40 grit, which is. Horrific. So even if you're redoing, you go all the way back down to 40. I, all the way back down. Wow. Because typically from redoing it, someone is saying, I want to get all this. They want to get the knife marks out of it. So even though the knife marks tend to be very shallow, um, you know, we're talking like 16th of an inch deep maybe i go back down i'm like this thing is going to be clean dead flattened when i start and then i work my way from 80 to 6 or sorry 40, 40. to 60 to 80 to 100 to 120, 120 150 180 220 and in some cases if i know that you know sometimes i tend to want to go over the top i never stop at 220 i tend to somewhere stop around 400 mm. So, but I, and that's overkill though, just so folks folks know. Absolutely overkill. Most people wouldn't know if I stopped at 150. Um, but, and they wouldn't know because most people, they just don't notice those little devils. I I would say that's Rod's process that I wanted people to hear the craziness (laughs) of it. If you were at home and you had a cutting board and you're like, okay, I'm handy enough to read, I would literally tell you just get like a 150 grit sandpaper go over with that maybe go up to like 180 and then just re-oil it and be done yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna endorse what you just said <laughs> <laughs> it, it like hurts my heart yes I, i'm a and again i'm a little crazy when it comes to sanding and if i'm selling you something again if you're paying uh, well the difference is yeah for something i i want a person who's spent that money to say Oh my God. Like this is a, like, they feel it's a work of art. They're looking, they say, I can see there's five different types of wood here and I can see the lines between them, but literally it's as smooth as a baby's bottom. If I slide my hand over there, I don't feel the rigid. Yeah. And to be clear, what we will perfect. do to a board we're selling versus somebody at home is different, right? We, we want that wow factor. Uh, yeah. that comes with the extra hard work of the handmade board. But if you're at home, I'm not expecting nobody to go through that. If you want to, you can, by all means, but you don't have to. You know, if yeah. you're just maintaining your board, you just, yeah, you're just, you've had it for a couple of years. You want to clean it up and make it look brand new again. You could go 150, yeah. the wall sander out, 180. Down, yeah. Fine. You'd be just fine. Yep, I would agree a hundred percent. So this, uh, like I say, I, you, if you give it to me, I'm not doing that. But, no. Uh, yeah. yeah. But even if I redid it for somebody, I would, I would go all the way, you know, yeah, I, but I have, we have the equipment to do that. Right. So. Yes. Yeah. And I'll like, and I will tend to like, I'll run it through what's called a drum sander, which essentially makes some of the sanding easier, but uh, that's a whole, whole different story about woodworking. But I, I will say I, I want, I don't want, I want everybody who buys a cutting board from me, to be in love with what they bought, like saying, because I think we've all ordered something online and it's, you, you tend to order from uh, like a individual creator and you're worried, is this just another con man who's trying to rip me off or something to that effect? And I, I want someone to run back, come back, even if they buy like a, a lower end, I wouldn't say a lower end cutting board, but like a smaller lightweight cutting board, like that's designed to be like that. I'll call like they wanted 
little bit quality species, but they want to go with like a, I'll say a less expensive version, like a, you know, 40, 50, $60 version. Mm-hmm. I want them to, I want them to walk away with the same feeling, which is, yeah, this is better. I spent better money here with Rod or in Chris than I did by going to, you know, a big box store and just buying one. Like I'm really, really happy with the quality. So I, I, I think it's just, it's a, I guess it's, I know how hard we everybody I work for my money, so I know other people work really hard for yep. their money. So it's it's about them being really happy with what they get. Yep. So uh, this episode was long overdue because I I wanted people to understand why we put in so much work in making the cutting boards we make and why we enjoy them so much. I mean, I've like I said, I've worked in many many restaurants, and you know, it, it's something that's never overlooked is having a good quality cutting board uh, and and knives for for that matter. But uh, being able to make cutting boards that I know people will be able to use and enjoy. And then find when you do all that work, you spend 12, 14 hours making a brisket and everybody's excited to see what you created and you put it out on some janky cutting board. It's, it's rough, man. It's rough. I've been there. I was been there for a long time, you know, and I'm putting that to an end by, uh, by building this butcher block. And so, and I, yeah, so if anybody's interested, we definitely have cutting boards up on our site. Um, the, yeah, we're going to be adding some suit. I'm, I'm in the middle of building something that I need for the next round of ones I want to make. So yep. and then, we'll be over the next couple weeks updating and, and adding some. And stuff. soon we will officially launch our little help, help us name the, the brisket board. Um, but, uh, keep in mind, we're going to be looking for some help to name it. And then, um, yeah. And, and, uh, pretty, I think the butcher block, because it's so much bigger, um, we will do custom orders of that. So if anybody's interested in one, you can just contact us any way you want and we can just work yeah, and and build those to order. Should make sure it's clear, like a custom, like when we say custom, while well, it'll be a standard size, uh, mainly just cause we need to make sure we can get boxes that fit them. Um, so it might, I think yours, yours is huge. It's like six, 17, 17. inches wide by like 21 or 22 inches long. I mean, it's, it is, it is a humongamonga cutting board, which is, it's awesome. Um, but I also say if, as you're, when you're buying something to that effect, it is something that you're going to leave on your counter. And despite what you would like to believe, you're going to be shocked at how, when you just leave a cutting board on your counter, how frequently it's used by everybody in the household, which is, I think, an awesome thing. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think you'll be more floored that uh, people will love and, and use that pieces sitting there and it just it just becomes like the yeah it's just it's just another decoration on the counter so yeah. definitely use it i i have a couple that are under my sink but i like i say i always have one that sits on my counter and uh the one i'm getting ready to make which is going to be a honeycomb pattern mm. uh i'm going to that's probably going to replace the one on my counter now i'll i'm going to do a bunch of those but one will be coming home to daddy so uh cool I like the pattern i think it's something different it's just i've had the one on my counter now for like the four years, something like that. And I, yeah. just, I just want to do something different. Well, my so. butcher block will be a staple of the counter and uh, I'll have to smoke a brisket to break it. It won't, I won't cut anything on it until I smoke that first brisket and cut it on there. All right, man. All right, folks. Well, well, hopefully everybody enjoyed that. I, I had thrown out to Chris about doing a, uh, pork uh, pork belly and he laughed at me and said, yeah, been there, done that. Well, you asked me if I've ever done one and I was like, come on, son. <laughs> yeah, so we gotta we we have to figure out something we want to make together over the next little bit, um, so that we can chat with you guys about it and tell you how it went. But uh, 
I think for now we will figure we will have a I think we have a decent episode in pocket for you guys for next week. Hopefully you enjoy it and hopefully you enjoyed this one. Um, again, more cutting boards will be coming to our site uh, in the in the coming weeks if if you're interested. And again, I say for people if your budget just doesn't permit or you're just not interested in something that we design. Uh, this was not an episode of trying to promote you buying a cutting board or one of the ashtrays Chris does or anything like that. It's just to talk a little bit about it, but I, I definitely think anybody who's big into barbecue, if you look at the guys like uh, Matt at Meat Church or you look at uh, Malcolm Reed, they all have their big cutting boards that sit in there and well, butcher blocks that are sitting there uh, and they, they look gorgeous. And when you put a brisket or ribs on that and that becomes like a serving plate, man, it just can't beat it. You yeah, just can't it just beat it. Ridiculous. It really does. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's bounce out of here, man. All right. Talk to you. All right. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.